In 2018, the Wealth Standard Podcast broke down the year into three seasons, each focusing on a principle from the inspired works of philosopher John Locke, specifically his philosophy on life, liberty, and property. In 2019, we progressed from principle to the ideal environment for building wealth and achieving prosperity. The theme was laissez-faire capitalism. For season two, it continues. The theme is entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how you apply the principles and environment to the individual. The guests ranging from economists to entrepreneurs to political influencers, authors, and more will teach you how to take your life to the next level. Now, on to the next episode. Hey everyone, uh, Patrick here. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of the Well Standard Podcast. This is an episode you guys are going to thoroughly uh, enjoy. But first, before I get to the guests, I, I'm curious about what you guys have been taking away from this season. I, I'd love to know if there's been something that you've had as a struggle in business or in your career, in your profession, that the content of the interview, whichever episode help you to have a breakthrough, have a, a realization, something that struck a chord that you'd like me to know about. So there's been a new record set. So this episode is the longest episode that I've ever done. But since this is the season on entrepreneurship, there's nobody better than the, the godfather of the modern entrepreneur, Michael Gerber, to be my guest. Michael Gerber, for those of you who do not know, has written a number of books and has a goal of doing 300. And he's 83 years old. And he wrote The E-Myth and The E-Myth, Re- E-Myth Revisited and a number of other books. So there's going to be tons of show notes. Make sure you head over to thewellstandard.com to get those show notes. You guys are going to see that at 83 years old, the amount of energy this guy has is contagious. And it's just a living proof about age not necessarily being a restriction for being passionate and being purpose-driven. So you're going to learn that over the course of Michael's career, because he, he started his career at the age I am now, at, at 41. And regardless of the amount of technology and the change in business, the change of environment, business is starting, business is going out of business. You've had dynasty business that are no longer in business. Regardless of how much the business and entrepreneur landscape has changed, there are some universal truths and principles that haven't. And I believe that if you study cases long enough, if you study people long enough, you're going to see patterns. And there definitely is patterns when it comes to business success and business failure. Now, I'm not saying that our modern times and the technology that exists in the different types of business isn't important. However, there are some fundamental universal things to be aware of when it comes to the success associated with entrepreneurship. Okay, so you guys are going to love it. Again, head over to thewellstandard.com for the show notes. And if you like what you hear, definitely go on to iTunes and give us a good review. That would help. All right. I hope you guys enjoy and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Okay, Michael, thank you. I'm so excited for this interview. We've already been talking and have kind of like done the interview for the last like 20 minutes, but I'm so inspired by what you've done over the last 40 years and what you continue to do, whether it's your books, your seminars, you have this like energy and drive within you to improve everyone's life. So thank you so much for what you've done and what you continue to do. I'm delighted to be here. I'm excited also to hear your story, but we'll save that for another time. (laughs) Well, you know, when I was preparing to do this season, I did research on the word entrepreneur. And again, there's a couple of different stories, but the economist, uh, the French economist, Jean-Baptiste Say, 
was who's famous for Say's Law, you know, supply creates demand instead of demand creates supply. He created that term, the entrepreneur, but I believe that you popularized it. You really set the stage for that word and how it's been taken to the masses. And what's interesting is Say's definition of the entrepreneur is the adventure. I love that word because in your books, in your interviews, that is definitely you to a team, what you inspire in others. So how do you, you know, looking at, at the last 40 years and what you've achieved, what were those emotional seeds, those experiences that caused you to put your foot in the ground, draw a line in the sand and commit to bringing your message to the world? Well, it was very clear to me. I got into the business of business, you might say accidentally. Uh, my brother-in-law owned a small advertising agency in Silicon Valley. And so that was the time way back then in the mid-70s when Silicon Valley was exploding with growth. And a lot of what we call technicians, people who knew about the technology, high tech, were starting small businesses of their own, like Apple, <laughs> like Google, like you name it. But my brother-in-law was having difficulty with some of his clients who were having difficulty converting the leads he created for them through his advertising into sales. And so he asked me one day if I would come with him to visit one of his clients. And I said, obviously, because I wasn't interested in business then. I was in my late 30s, in my early 40s. And I said, I don't know anything about business. And he said, but you do. You know more than you think you do. Just trust me and let's go visit Bob, the guy he wanted me to meet, and see what happens. So I said, fine. So that was my nature. That is my nature. I start stuff without any understanding of what's going to happen because I trust that something will happen. And it's only a question of whether I'm open enough to see it and to appreciate it, which of course I'm saying to every single person I ever have worked with, our companies have ever worked with. I call it a blank piece of paper in beginner's mind. And when I met Bob, it was obvious I didn't know anything about business, but he didn't either, and he owned one. And it was astonishing to me that I did know something about business. I knew that selling is a system. And I learned that years earlier when I sold encyclopedias door to door, knock on a door and there's mom or there's dad or whatever and so forth. And it began, but obviously it began with a script. Now I was a complete novice. And the guy who was telling the story about come work for us as an encyclopedia salesman, it was Americana, read this, memorize this, and come back tomorrow. And he gave me about a 15-minute script. And I'd been practicing the saxophone with a great saxophone teacher. And all I did was memorize scripts, which was a solo by... Charlie Parker or solo by Stan Getz or whatever, 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 whatever. And part of my teaching in the music was to learn how to play that and learn how to play that sounding like 
Charlie Parker, sounding like Stan Getz. You get me? Yep. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just memorize it. It was memorize it, internalize it, and then extend yourself to the style of the one who created it. And so, in any case, I told Bob, Bob, the reason you're having a problem is you hired sales engineers. Uh, Engineers, because you thought they had to understand the technology, they had to understand the engineering, they had to understand the product, and sales, because they had to have experience selling. And neither is true. In fact, it's your greatest single problem because you hired people you thought understood sales, but they didn't. They understood the technology. They'd had experience selling, but they'd never been taught how to sell in a way that works. So you needed a selling system. And Bob said, what's a selling system? I said, it's exactly what I just said. It's a process. It's a system. It's a methodology. It's the language, it's the words, it's the process by which any novice, anyone who passes the test can in fact master the process by which you sell through them your product to the consumer you're selling it to. And Bob said, well, do you know how to do that? And I said, sure. He said, well, will you consult with me and teach me how to do that? I said, sure. So we negotiated a price and Ace then picked me up because he had dropped me off for this conversation. And he said, so what happened? I said, he hired me. (laughs) I'm now a sales consultant. He said, Michael, how can that be? You don't know anything about his business. (laughs) And then he said to me what I had said to him before he introduced me to Bob. And I said, well, obviously I do. So that's what I did. That was so effective with Bob that Ace asked me to meet with another one of his clients and then another one of his clients. And it became obvious that none of them understood what I spoke about as an entrepreneur. They didn't identify with entrepreneurship. They identified with the technology, in quotes, of what they were selling. And them, as a technician, as I then called it, suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. In short, they went out to create a business out of it, out of what they knew. What they didn't understand is what they didn't know. And that's what I brought to them. And what they didn't know was far more important than what they did know. And that gave birth to the e-myth, the entrepreneurial myth, and the entrepreneurial seizure to start your own business thinking that because you knew how to do the work, you knew how to create a business that worked. And it was creating such pain and suffering in so many, so many, so many small businesses that I just simply realized this is why I'm here. This is what I was meant to do. I never even imagined it before my experience with Bob And then my experiences with all the other folks that I then began to work with. And then I walked into McDonald's and I went into McDonald's to have a hamburger and fries on my way to my next client. And it blew my mind. And understand, I say it blew my mind. 
I never got my hamburger. I never got my fries. I was so stunned by what I saw for the very first time, literally saw for the very first time, what I was talking about, what was missing in every one of those small businesses. I saw a system. The entire business was a system. It was a visual system, an emotional system, a functional system, and a financial system. And I walked out of that McDonald's with that picture in my mind, I can do that. In short, this is not about me doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. This is about creating a system for doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And I can create an enterprise out of that. And so that brought the whole thing to its natural conclusion at the very outset of what I call the Michael Thomas Corporation. I was Michael. Thomas was the guy who Ace was going to have replace me because I decided I couldn't stay there in Ace's advertising agency. I had to create my own company to do what was absolutely critical, which now I call the Eightfold Path, which then I called Emith Mastery, and set out to do that. And Tom was the guy who was supposed to replace me in Ace's company, who said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to do this on my own. And he said, I want to go with you. So Ace, not Ace, but Tom, went with me to create the Michael Thomas Corporation, a business development firm, and the rest is history. Yeah, there's something really interesting about the experiences we have as humans and we see opportunities to make a difference. And it's almost like this chemical reaction that happens inside of us that we want more of that and we want more of that. And I, as I've read your books, as I've tried to understand entrepreneurship, it's this idea of blinders and patterns. And I think we all resort back to what's familiar to us and adventure, right? Fear the, the unknown. So with your experience over multiple decades, even though the business world, there's definitely some changes with what impact you make. Are the patterns different that people have when it comes to being an entrepreneur or are they pretty much the same? Well, it's a great question because nobody ever asks me that. And if they did, they wouldn't agree with the answer I'm about to give you. <laughs> because to them, everything has changed. Yeah. Meaning uh, with the internet, everything changed etc 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 with the brilliant creation of software everything's changed the reality is nothing's changed despite the fact that in quotes everything has changed yeah. that's why that first book the emith and then the book that followed the emith revisited why most small businesses don't work and what to do about it was published the second book i just mentioned revisited was published in 1992. The e the founding book, was published in 1986. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about 92. Think about that. What's happened since 1992? Everything. Big tepoons. Yeah, everything's changed. But the truth is, nothing has. And I say that because the e Revisited is one of the top five best-selling books on entrepreneurship and small business of all time. And every year since it was published in 1992, it sells more books 
than it did the previous year. So it's the only book on the planet that you can say that about. And why it has sold that many, and we've never marketed the book, it's all word of mouth. Essentially, somebody who's read the book, you read the book. You say to somebody who hasn't read the book, you know, you got to read this book. And you have done that. I've not met you before, but I know you have. And that's true of just about everybody who reads the book. They speak to a friend, you got to read the e-myth. You got to read the e-myth. You got to read the e-myth. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And then they read the book or don't. But if they read the book and if they do the book, which is a significantly different thing, they do the book, they can't help but say to anybody and everybody who's either got a lousy job and is thinking about creating their own business, going out on their own, they can't help but say, have you read the E-Myth? That's what they call it. They don't call it the E-Myth Revisited. They just simply, have you read the E-Myth? Notwithstanding the fact that I'm sure you know, I've written, published now over 30, in quotes, E-Myth books, each of them dealing more deeply with the subject, like Awakening the Entrepreneur Within and the Introduction of the Dreaming Room, and on and on and on and on. So what you spoke about, getting deeper into the process, is what all of my books have done and what all of our coaching has done, what all of our mentoring has done over the years, albeit it is not about the changes that have occurred in business. It's about going deeper into the original protocol, the dream, the vision, the purpose, the mission, the job, the practice, the business, the enterprise. However I speak about it, it's absolutely essential as it was for Bob, that very first guy who I consulted with, coached about, in quotes, sales, became obvious to me that Bob didn't understand what a system was. And therefore, I had to address everything Bob did, not just what his salespeople did but his lead generation, his lead conversion, his client fulfillment, his financial system, his management system, his operating system, et cetera, and so forth. Because unless I dealt with every single one of those components of the overriding system that exists in every company, no matter whether it was in 1977 or today, when we're speaking in, what is it, 2019, the emoth lives at the heart of it. I think we should go into a few of the things you just said because what's interesting is I think it's even more important today than it was then because today there's more distraction. There's more noise. There's more options. There's more things that pull people as far as what would make a difference in their, their business. It could be, I need to improve marketing or I need to improve sales conversion or I need to improve. I mean, there's so many different pulls people have, but what I hear you saying is that the patterns of human beings really haven't changed much. And so maybe could you walk through the ideas that you have just you know, been talking about, the hierarchy of, of growth, right? Starting with those initial stages and why a person's understanding of not just themselves, but then as they bring on people themselves as it relates to people, I think that would be really compelling because it starts to show 
the importance of, of systems so that you have degrees of certainty as you grow. Yeah. Speaking about system, the totality of the system, Apple is a system, Google is a system, Facebook is a system, McDonald's is a system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Every company on the planet is a system called, this is how we do it here, and this is why we do it that way. You'd be astonished how few small business founders, owners, operators understand what I just said. You'd be astonished to see how few literally have a dream. And when I said it, a dream, a vision, a purpose, a mission, you understand that that is a sequence, meaning I have to have a dream first, first. because the dream is the great result I intend to produce by founding this small business. What is that great result? They have to know that great result. So when I started the Michael Thomas Corporation with Tom, before we ever started the company, we sat with each other day after day after day after day, asking the questions we needed to ask in order to come up with the answers we needed to internalize so that we could communicate them clearly. So the first in that process was the dream. So what's our dream? What's the end game we're pursuing here? The dream was the great result we were to produce. We had to first understand the great result our company is being created to produce before we ever could then discuss what our vision was. Now understand people typically just um, think that I'm using different words to say the same thing. I'm not. I'm defining something different. The vision, once I understood what the great result was, and the great result, the dream for the Michael Thomas Corporation way back then in 1977, that has persisted throughout these years, 40 plus years since we founded that company, the dream was to transform the state of small business worldwide. And in order to transform the state of small business worldwide, we had to, to transform the state of entrepreneurship worldwide. And once we accomplished that, we would have then transformed the state of economic development worldwide. And that was obviously something that if we could do it, would have a more profound than profound outcome than anything we could do in the Michael Thomas Corporation, the first business development firm of its kind, the first business coaching company on the planet. Nobody had the dream that we had. Can I say something first, Michael, before you get into the second step? Yeah. You either read it or I heard you say it once that talked about this kind of like entrepreneurial seed that's in all human beings. And I interviewed the founder of Upwork. It spaces me the name before Upwork became the, the company. 
but one of the claims that they have it was in the Philippines and how it brought a quarter of a million, I can't remember the number, but it was like $250 million of increased GDP because of Upwork, because that kind of entrepreneurial seed, I think, sits in everyone of wanting to improve their life, wanting to improve the life of other people. So I think that's profound and essentially one of the things that you're talking about, which is establishing that dream, which I believe everyone has. Yes. And we say that religiously over all these years, we're saying that if it's as it said, we're born in the image of God. It's said in every religion. It was said first in the Jewish religion, and it is the truth that we speak to everyone we're talking to. And we're essentially saying if we're born in the image of God, as it's said in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, as it's been said for thousands of years, if we're born in the image of God, then we're born to create. So every human being is born to create, but none of us are taught how to create (laughs) or how to identify what we're here to create. Mm -hmm. And because we've never been taught that, because our parents weren't taught that, because our schools don't teach us that, because in fact they teach us exactly the opposite of that, we are not capable of truly understanding what that means, nor even worse, doing it. So what we've been doing is awakening the creator within, e.g. the entrepreneur within, because that's what an entrepreneur is. An entrepreneur is a creator. An entrepreneur isn't a functionary. There's no organization chart which says, and this is the entrepreneur's box. But if you watch the movie Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs said to Wozniak, Wozniak, you're brilliant at what you do in the orchestra. I create the orchestra. The difference is huge. It's beyond description in one way. And we set out to describe it. And so when we say awaken the entrepreneur within, we're truly saying awakening the creator within and inspiring them, teaching them, training them, guiding them, coaching them, mentoring them to pursue their true reason for being here on earth. And what we're saying is, and every single one of you can discover what that is. If you follow the process we've created for you to discover what that is. And so within my books, I describe and discuss and pursue and define the process that's critical to awaken the entrepreneurial, what Walt Disney called imagineer within, to create something you never even imagined you could create, would create, to discover something you never even imagined existed was possible, was your calling, and to be able to do that goes so far beyond the technical as to say the technical part isn't important. The imagination of creation is the most important part at the seeding of any and every company or anything on the planet. 
So the first part of that is the dream. So let's awaken in the dreamer within. The second part is the vision. And let's awaken the thinker within. Because now that I'm going to create a company whose intent is to transform the state of economic development worldwide in a very specific manner, form, shape, I now have to understand what my vision is, which means I have to be able to see then how that will appear on the planet. You follow me? Totally. And that we call the second step, which is the vision, which ours was to invent the McDonald's of small business consulting. So at the very beginning in 1977, when we discovered what our dream was, we then created what our vision is, which is to transform the state of small business, da, 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 mm-hmm. which was to create the visual, contextual model for how we were going to do that. And so that was to actually see it by describing it as the McDonald's of whatever the dream ultimately said it was going to do. So the McDonald's of personal growth, the McDonald's of whatever. The third was the purpose. Now, everybody thinks purpose is the dream, but no, purpose isn't the dream. It's the third part of the dream, which is to make it possible for every small business owner who came to us to actually be able to create a successful company doing what their dream called for them to do, doing what their vision called for it to be, and to be as successful as a McDonald's franchisee, or better, in the operation of that company. And so we would turn out these successful people up to the last point. And the last point of the dream, vision, purpose, mission was the mission. And the mission was the system. So at the Michael Thomas Corporation, we invented the business development system that would enable us to realize our dream, our vision, and our purpose. You follow me? I do. And the system was how to create a business development process that could be applied in every company on the planet. So when we got done with that work and began to communicate that to every single small business we called on door to door, straight commission salespeople in the Michael Thomas Corporation, exactly as though they were selling encyclopedias in exactly the manner that I just described, selling our dream, our vision, our purpose, and our mission, essentially telling every small business owner that until they understood the dream, the vision, the purpose, and the mission, they would never, ever be able to successfully grow a company of one, which is what every human being is when we're born, an economy of one, a company of one, into a company of 1,000. And so it's like from a company of one to an enterprise of 1,000 becomes then the model through which we incite our new client to understand that growth 
is not something that maybe you do. Growth is the only reason you started a company in the first place, Mm -hmm. that it is incumbent upon you. If you're going to presume to be an entrepreneur, to grow a turnkey methodology that lives at the heart of your company, a dream, a vision, a purpose, and a mission, and be able to expand that worldwide. In short, whatever you create is meant to grow effectively worldwide, just like McDonald's did. So you understand you're now Ray Kroc. You're not Jerry Smith. You're now Steve Jobs. You're not stupid, stupid, stupid. You're now blessed with the process through which entrepreneurs create great scalable companies. And that was the entire meaning of everything we've been doing since the very beginning. And this is where I go back to our brief dialogue around business then and business today. Because business today has a lot of shiny objects, but would you, based on what you see and observe, are these missing you know, components, this sequence of creation at, still absent with a lot of companies that are formed and created these days? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Can you be successful and skip these steps? If you look at every single scalable company, I mentioned Steve Jobs and Apple, all I'm defining is what every single one of them do. You understand, I call it emith. I call it the Eightfold Path. I've redefined it in my terms, but only because I've taken them all apart and identified in every single kind of small business imaginable how to organize all of that process into a process that works every single time. Now hear me, a process that works every single time it's applied. Obviously, if it's applied is a key ingredient of that because what's required is For example, what our most truly astonishing clients, and when I call them clients, whether they've worked with us in our coaching process, our mentoring process, is unimportant because many of them simply bought the book, read the book, and then did the book. So you understand you got to buy the book, you got to read the book, and then you got to do the book. And I'm saying that anybody who buys the book, reads the book, and does the book, that does the book is critical, but the read the book is critical, and the buy the book is obviously critical. You got to do those three things. Now, I mentioned to you Ken Goodrich, who's the founder of an HVAC company, a contractor, who failed in his first interim of growing an HVAC company. His dad hired him when he was 10 years old, not his dad, Ken. His dad was an HVAC contractor. And um, Ken held the flashlight at night when he was fixing an air conditioner. So Ken was introduced at the age of 10 to what his father did. And from the age of 10 
to when he went on to college for four years in business and finance from the age of 10 through his four years of college, he worked in that business and did each and every job. When he graduated from college, he was offered a job by all of the companies who hired college graduates to come to work in their bank, in their financial services company, in their whatever, as a beginner. And when he heard what they were offering him, he said, you mean I went to four years of college to be offered only a third of what I've earned part-time fixing air conditioners? Why would I do that? And they said, well, we don't know, but you would have a career. And Ken said, that's the dumbest thought I have ever had. I just wasted four years. So we went back not to work for his father, but to ultimately buy his father's business. His father died, and now Ken owned it, and he began to apply what he thought he knew to operate that business until the IRS shut him down. And suddenly he realized he didn't know anything about the business of business, despite the fact that he'd been working in one from the age of 10, and he'd been going to college to learn about business, to get a degree in business and finance, and none of it had anything to do with what he had to do in order to be successful in his small business. And so he was given a gift at that juncture, and the gift was the E-Myth Revisited, and you know that book, Why Most Small Businesses Don't Work and What to Do About It. And he sat down and read it, and then he read it again, and then he read it again, and then he began to apply it in the business. He started anew from the very beginning, just Ken, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. But now, following the E-Myth Revisited, step one, step two, step three, et cetera, and so forth, and applying it, literally applying it day by day. He had the book, he said, in his back pocket. So Ken, unlike most people on the planet, admits he read the E-Myth Revisited. Now think about this, 39 times. (laughs) And that first HVAC company he created, he committed to sell it in three years for a million dollars. And in three years, he did sell it but for $3 million, and it blew him away. And then he decided to wait a bit, and then he started a new one with the intention of selling it for $3 million. And he did, but he didn't sell it for $3 million. He sold it for $4 million. Now get this, Ken had the book in his back pocket and practiced it day after day after day after day because it was the secret to how he got paid $3 million and then the secret for how he got paid $4 million. And he said, holy cow, I can do this again and again and again. Now get this. He's literally applying my book step by step 
by step by step. And in the end of that process, he had sold, built, designed, built, launched, and grown 24 HVAC companies, millions upon millions of dollars. And then he said, why am I selling them? Why don't I just keep them and grow them? And that's what Ken did. So I'm speaking next week with Ken to a large association of service businesses, Hmm. to the owners, about 1,500 of them in Las Vegas, to tell that story. But you understand, we've done that story through now 19 different vertical markets, written a book for each of those vertical markets, the Emith chiropractor, the Emith optometrist, the Emith plumber, the Emith, the Emith, the Emith, the Emith, where my co-author is someone who literally did it. Hmm. Think about it. The same book, the Emith revisited, applied to every single vertical market. And when we're done publishing those books and bringing those books to every single vertical market on the planet, will literally have transformed the state of small business worldwide. We'll have literally transformed the state of entrepreneurship worldwide. And we will have literally transformed the state of economic development worldwide so that small businesses don't fail at 90%, but succeed every single time if they buy the book if they read the book and when they do the book, like Ken Goodrich did, like the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK did, like the founders of Infusionsoft did, like the founder of BNI did, hmm. and on and on and on and on, how miraculous that is. So no, our system doesn't do exactly what Steve Jobs did, but I can guarantee you if Steve Jobs had read the E-Myth Revisited, he would have done it in exactly that way. And it would have created an astonishing result. And that's what I'm saying to every single person who's watching us now. Every single person you've spoken to over the years you've interviewed that effectively the E-Myth is the absolutely replicable turnkey system that can be applied to every single small company on the planet, no matter what it does, provided they have a dream, a vision, a purpose, a mission, a client fulfillment system, a client acquisition system, a franchise prototype, that can be replicated faithfully every single time, the franchise prototypical system that every great growing company needs to design, build, launch, and grow. And that will, in fact, plus a management system and a leadership system, create a great growing company that can literally replicate its success time after time after time after time, whether it's doing that in Portugal, whether it's doing that in Miami, whether that's doing that in every country worldwide, like McDonald's is, like Apple is, 
like Google is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It works. Ergo, you can literally learn how to work it in such a manner that will enable you to scale it in the most uber successful way to truly become the great entrepreneur that resides in potentia in every single one of us. You follow me? Oh, I totally do. And Michael, what's been going through my mind is something I heard you say and you've written about, which is stop reading and start doing, which has kind of resonated as you've been speaking, but also something that I've learned over the last couple of years, which is the idea of mastery. And it's, I think a lot of people were influenced in the United States, especially to master things cognitively, get the information. But there's a degree of physical mastery, which is due to actually taking the information and doing something over and over and over. And that's definitely the place where we need to talk about some new business that you have, Radical You, which essentially takes the information that's in the e-myth and puts it into a, a directional set of tutorials and curriculum so that potential entrepreneurs or existing entrepreneurs or small business owners can use that to put in practice what you've been talking about for the last 45 minutes. Yes, absolutely. Radical You is our entrepreneurial development school online. It's essentially a five-year school going from a company of one to a company of 1,000. And it defines every single step of the way through video tutorial and homework the student needs to do. And by doing the homework, they're literally shaping their dream. They're literally shaping their vision, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to the point where they've grown an enterprise. So effectively, what we're saying is, if you have the dedication, if you have the patience, if you have the determination, if you have the will to follow our methodology, we will teach you what every single human being on the planet must know and must do in order to create any company of whatever size to realize your dream, which is the great result you're setting out to produce, to realize your vision, the form that dream will take in a brick and mortar or online business, the purpose for which you're doing it so that every single one of our students online can literally become as successful in a limited fashion as a McDonald's franchisee, or even in an expansive fashion to mirror the success of a Ray Kroc, of a Steve Jobs, of the Google Boys, and so forth and so forth and so forth and so forth. Pick one, it doesn't make any difference, whether it's brick and mortar, or whether it's online, mm. whether it's this or whether it's that, the process is universal. That's our point. The process, the methodology from step one to step five to step eight is exactly the same no matter what kind of company you're going to start. And once you realize that, you suddenly liberate yourself from all the false promises that are made on the internet from internet marketers who are essentially telling you stories 
which are built upon what everybody says to them, I want to do it fast. I want to do it fast. I want to do it fast. Can I do this in a week? Can I do this in a month? Can I do it? And they say, but of course you can. But of course you can. In short, mirroring the stupid desire everyone has when it comes to the word success. Mostly what they want is financial success. They may want to make gobs and gobs of money. And so when you go on the internet, what you're going to see is an immense number of people saying, and we'll teach you how to make gobs and gobs and gobs of money as though they actually can. And of course they can't. And of course they can't because nothing called gobs of money happens in a week, in a month, in a year. It happens over time and it happens steadfastly when you do step one and then do step two and then do step three and master each and every one of them on the way. So we've been telling the truth for now since 1977, literally telling the truth. There are monstrous number of people who have copied what we say, but then say, but now you can have it quickly. I want to hit on two things that keep going through my head. The first one has to do with what you're saying right now, but I'm going to talk about the first. It's there's so many of these like sequence patterns in life. I mean, I think going to, to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, okay, there's a sequence by which people seek things, right? The physiological safety, relationship, self-esteem, self-action. There's a process and a system to that. There's a hierarchy and you can't skip steps. And I read something recently, which was the eight or nine levels of intimacy, which is going in all of your relationships, where if you skip steps, it can be considered assault. But the step one, step two, step three, there's this sequence of events. And I look at also just our life in general, humans in general, we're all born the same way. We have to learn how to walk or learn how to crawl before we walk, learn how to speak, learn how to interact. You can't skip steps. And what would, you know, just occurs to me, why would anybody think that there isn't a sequence and a pattern to a thriving business? A certain sequence, a certain steps that you take, starting with one and ending with the latter one. And this brings me to my final point, which is money, you know, this entrepreneurial flash on the pan, giving people gobs of money, as you put it, in my experience, people aren't seeking money. They're seeking some sort of emotion and state they associate with having money. And you have talked about this, I mean, starting in your first book, which is the idea of contribution and legacy and making a difference as being that driving force. So that's what I, those are the two things I wanted to say. Would you mind speaking to that as we conclude? Absolutely. And, and I would say that the reason why most people don't realize that it's a process, you have to walk before you run, etc. and so forth, is because they don't want to have to think that. <laughs> They don't want to have to think that it's going to be hard work. They don't want to think that they're going to have to learn how to do this before they can ever learn how to do that. Whatever this is and whatever that is, whatever the process is, all I've learned in my education, and my education has been my, in respect, my self-education, has been to identify what that process is. And only by doing it, testing it, validating it, and then orchestrating it, 
were we able to come to that conclusion? So understand what we've learned, we've earned. And we've earned it by practicing it. And by practicing it, not only in our business, but practicing it in every kind of business to discover the universality of it. Because if it were not universal, then it would be specialized. And if it's specialized, blah, blah, blah. And of course, everybody believes you've got to become a specialist. That's what everybody tells everybody. You've got to become a specialist. I'm saying you've got to become a generalist. Because by becoming a generalist and applying it and applying it and applying it, in every single condition and circumstance you come face to face with, you discover the universality of this methodology to achieve a truly human result that in fact lives inside of you authentically, which must be honored every step of the way. And so this is hard teaching because it's teaching something that most people are not prepared to do. It's like um, becoming a Navy SEAL. Thousands apply, hundreds are accepted, and those hundreds are already masters in the world they live in. But now they got to go to school, and it becomes dozens. Understand, not thousands upon thousands who want to, not hundreds upon hundreds who have been accepted to, but only dozens who have actually passed the test to. Think about that. From thousands upon thousands to hundreds. What's in between? What's in between is the stamina, the persistency, Mm -hmm. the will to overcome all of the obstacles that are naturally incumbent for you to get there so that you can be there having passed through every test along the way. The tests are identically the same. That's important for us to know. Tests are universally the same. Michael, isn't it interesting that most vital truths of life are inherently paradoxes, right? And especially when it comes to growth and the achievement of success or love or fulfillment, it's like the yin and the yang, you experience the other end of the spectrum. And it's incredible where you look at what it takes to have a successful business. And we obviously we don't have time to go through the different roles a leader plays in a business, but there are these different steps that are taken. And the transition, as you're saying, there's tension, there's anxiety, and the idea of will, the will to succeed, overcome challenges, overcome adversity in and of itself gives you that reward and fulfillment. But without it, there would be no reward or fulfillment. You got it. Without (laughs) it, there wouldn't be any. Would it? They would simply be superficial. Yeah. (laughs) And so then it's making a commitment to lead an existentially true, authentic life and to discover what it is. I'm beginning the process of writing another book. I'm always writing another book. But one might say, well, I've already read your book. Well, that's only because you haven't truly gone through the process. To understand, you might have read the book, and it was essential as the first step in this process, but it's never enough. 
until you do the book and you suddenly discover that what you thought the book was about <laughs> is different than what the book was about. The book I'm committed now to write is Mastering the Mind of a Master. And so I want you to imagine a book called Mastering the Mind of a Master. That's the entire process. And it's not a lot of masters, it's of a master. Because once you find one, now understand I'm not saying I'm that one. You understand I could very easily say that because that's what all my Beyond fans would tell you. And I've gone to the trouble of defining the process through which one must think like a master, which calls for one to do what one thinks like a master in order to create <coughs> what one thinks as a master, that I've taken the trouble to pursue that my entire life. So here at the age of 83, halfway through that passage, I can say, been there, done that, been there, done that, failed at that, succeeded at that, mastered that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's only that that I've mastered that you should pay attention to because that's the product of my will, of my love, of my pursuit to create a great growing enterprise that can transform the state of human beings worldwide. And all I'm saying is, <laughs> by saying, uh, look up to me, that's not the point. It has nothing to do with me. In fact, when I speak about it, I call it not Michael Gerber. It did it. I didn't. It did it. I didn't. It did it. It lives within me. Obviously, you're documented in so many different areas of media, but you're known to say often that one of the main transitions of leadership of successful founders is when it's no longer about you. Absolutely. So that's why the whole personal branding bullshit, and I'm saying bullshit because it's appealing to ego. Yep. Um, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one. And you, you can immediately see it. And you can immediately see it if you're capable of seeing it. And most of us aren't capable of seeing that because we've never grown beyond that. You follow me? So I totally do. Anyway, we've said enough about it. I we, think we've we, said we, enough about all of it. I think <laughs> that, in fact, what we should do if you're open to it is have um, part two of this conversation and maybe even part three, and in the process, something will come out that the folks you're speaking to will realize what wealth really is, as opposed to the wealth they think it is. I would love those conversations and those follow-ups, because wealth is one of those totally misconstrued things. I think that people these days that have acquired it or achieved what they had considered at one point material wealth realize that it's not what they were seeking. And there are so many different aspects to life where if you were to really measure those and be willing to give them up, the material things are what would be given up first. Not health, not relationships, not spirituality, but the material things. So the most important things in life, you know, it sounds so cliche, but the most important things in life have nothing to do with material wealth. And I look at a person directing what they assume a successful life is based on our conditioning in school, in the workplace, 
has what you had mentioned has become uh, superficial. And I look at definitely that we need to do some follow-up because wealth is achievable. And I think that the overriding sail that propels that ship forward can be discovered so much sooner than it's usually discovered, which is typically toward the end. But if it can be understood and accepted and acknowledged in the beginning, it can make the journey so much more fulfilling. Yep, without a doubt. And then becomes the question, so how do I say that? Because all the same words are used in all of the personal growth, personal development mantras that are spoken by so many, so many people that it all just becomes the same. And it's how then to speak it in a way that it all becomes compelling. The truth about what we speak about, and when I say we, I mean we of the e-myth sort, that what we speak about is original. It had never been said before. And I can actually promise you, it's still not being said. It's being shared, but only to the degree the one who's sharing it perceives it not as it's being delivered authentically. And so you got to get into it deeply. And that's why I say the process, I have a dream, I have a vision, I have a purpose. And the expression of what a dream is and the expression of what my dream is, et cetera, and so forth, you're suddenly experiencing the process that one has to go through. And that's what we do in Radical You. Radical You is a 52 weeks a year video session. And each of those sessions is designed to produce one result. So imagine when somebody enrolls in Radical U as a student, the first module of Radical U is the dream. And you remember Dr. Martin Luther King, I have a dream said in Washington, D.C. You can watch that. Everybody listening to us right now can watch that. When you watch Dr. Martin Luther King, saying that, when you experience what he says and how it comes through to you, you can first, for the very first time, experience how incredibly alive that dream was to him. That's how alive your dream must be, albeit your dream is different than his. But the minute you hear him say, I have a dream, and you see the flood of people in Washington, D.C., listening to the expression of his passion, you realize he died for that. Do you understand? <laughs> he was shot for that. That's how dangerous that dream was as it was perceived by the powers that be. That's how huge that he dared to dream that in a world that did not permit one to dream that. So when you listen to him today, as he expressed it way back then, you begin to feel it, not as he did, not even close to what he felt when he said it, but you at least can understand and appreciate how deeply he felt it, to commit his life to it in all the dangerous places he took it to. 
That's what you're setting out to do as an entrepreneur. You got it? That's what's missing every single time I speak to one. And sometimes, because I've read that dream, and then you hear the audio, and then you experience the video, and they're different experiences. They're completely different. And the words, words are words. It's kind of like information without execution, like what you've been talking about, having the information but not doing anything. It's then the doing, but then it's the conviction and being behind that that creates this magnetic energy that inspires and compels and leads others. And that's why his influence will never, ever die. You got it. So good. So let's end our conversation. This is the longest podcast I've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Usually like 20, 30 minutes. And now it's like we're we're like over an hour. So, And you understand we could have gone on and on and on and on. And only because you're literally deeply listening. You weren't just, in quotes, interviewing me to get some stuff out. That wasn't where we were. No way. Yeah. (laughs) I prepared a bunch of stuff and I got through like maybe a bullet point and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I know you did. So we made a connection here. Yeah, for sure. I know it can go much, much deeper. And as it goes much, much deeper, you're going to have a profoundly deeper impact upon the people who visit you. And as you begin to have that impact, your dream is going to become formed in a way that you can see it better than you've ever seen it before. And that dream is going to direct everything you do. The dream is the very first thing. I have a dream. Yes, and I read what Dr. Martin Luther King said, and I heard what Dr. Martin Luther King said, and I saw him as he said it. And each and every one of those was different experiences, but absolutely necessary for that dream to come alive. So yeah, so it was great speaking to you. Thank you for the time. This has been incredibly inspiring. Let's definitely do some follow-up because I'd love to have a part two and a part three, as you mentioned. I know the best ways. We don't need to to spend time talking about the best ways for the audience to connect with you. Well, maybe we'll just give your your main website. Is it? It's michaelgerber.com, correct? Is where like the central hub is? Michael at michaelegerbercompanies.com. Okay. And then there they can access books. They can, you know, Radical You can be accessed from there. That's kind of the hub. Everything. That's the hub. Okay, yeah. perfect. And if you're listening, we'll, we'll make sure that those are on the show notes. And as we have further conversations, Patrick, at a different level, we'll also find a way to connect us and you and them in a way that we all are sharing in the experience. And I would like nothing better than that. Okay? I would love nothing more than that. You got it. So just email me, michael at michaelegerber.com. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. 
And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.